Hello listeners and welcome to the seventh episode of Into the Fire Pit. Today I have a very special guest. Um, She's a blogger and she's a natural hair advocate. Her name is Bongi. I'll let her introduce herself briefly. Hi, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, So yeah, my name is Bongi. I am 23 years old, turning 24 in a week. Oh, brilliant. So I'm basically 24. Oh, brilliant, yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, as you said, I'm a blogger and natural hair advocate. So I'm all about embracing yourself for who you are. Brilliant. And yeah, just like living your life and fully being you. (laughs) Absolutely. And to be fair, that's partly why um, I wanted to feature you onto the podcast. Because as you may know, uh, this podcast is all about inspiration. It's all about motivation through different inspiring people. And I'm a strong believer that inspiration literally can come from anyone. And most times the inspiration, we draw it from the people around us, you know. And nowadays that we've got social media, it's not just the friends that we've met, uh, you know, on the way around and about. But sometimes it's even the people that we see on the socials that will kind of inspire our lives uh, moving forward, which is actually what happened with us where I think I'd seen you a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I, I mentioned to yourself, I saw your Instagram, uh, it's quite positive vibes uh, and just zany. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's have a chat and let's chop it up uh, in the fire pit. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds amazing. I'm down. Let's, oh, yeah. let's get it burning. <laughs> let's, let's get it going. Yeah. So I was saying, so would you like to tell us just a little bit about yourself Bongi then just a a bit of an introduction uh you know of maybe your earlier years um growing up and things like that yeah definitely so Mm -hmm. I am I grew up mixed mixed race so I'm half German half Tanzanian but I've never really properly lived in either of those countries Mm -hmm. so I was born in Germany I think lived there until I was about three or four years old maybe so I don't really remember much um, and then we moved to Ethiopia okay. and then we moved to Lesotho and then we moved to Nepal and then oh, wow. we moved to Zambia oh, then wow. I went to boarding <laughs> school in Eswatini which is formerly known as Swaziland okay and then my parents moved to Tanzania okay. but Brilliant. I then came to the UK for uni so I've like yeah. on and off been to Tanzania and Germany but okay. never fully lived in those countries if that makes sense yeah no I absolutely <laughs> understand wow so you were kind of like I think the Americans refer refer to it like army brats isn't it so they're more so like yeah, your parents are nomads. Like there you go. <laughs> yeah. Where you go place to place to place. I remember we had a conversation where you'd stated that it, that's what's inspired you to kind of also, we didn't mention this earlier, but you, you also do traveling, don't you? Like where you go to different places and different countries uh, on your own accord. That's mm-hmm. what's, what inspired you, isn't it? Yeah. So I, mm. I think because with my parents, I moved around from country to country so much. Okay. Travel has been something that's always been a big part of my life. And Brilliant. I just really loved it. And from the list of countries I gave you, they're all yeah. very they're all very unique and very different. And oh, the experience yeah. in every country was very different. Yeah. Um and then for example, like Swaziland is something like a place that's really close to my heart because it's the first country that I picked oh, to wow. go and live on in. So own. other countries was Yeah. I was just kind of following my dad okay. like for his job and that's where our family was moving. But right. when I moved to boarding school it was completely on my own terms and it Brilliant. was a country that I wanted to go to. Yeah. Um so yeah, and because of that and also in every country we lived in, because I had grandparents in Germany and Tanzania, we frequently mm-hmm. traveled to those countries as well. So within living in different countries there's also always been the aspect of then also traveling outside of that country to yeah. go to my home countries. Oh, okay. So yeah, travel yeah. has just always been a huge part of my I life think. and I love it. I love meeting different people, exploring yeah. different cultures, seeing different yeah. ways of life and kind of taking from them and oh, adapting definitely. them in my own way. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I love traveling. I think it's amazing. It's a very good educational tool, I would say. Absolutely. I think it's literally the best way to learn about people because sometimes, you know, when you're stuck just in one place and that's all you know, I feel like it kind of limits mm-hmm. you a little bit in the way you think. So, for example, for myself, the, the my biggest travel was coming to the UK from Zambia. I've lived here yeah. now almost 20 years, but I'm thinking that's something oh, wow. that is still on my bucket list. Like I have to see the world and I actually want to. Um, not only mm-hmm. that, even Zambia, when I lived in Zambia, it was mostly like in Lusaka where I knew and maybe a few other places where I'd been to. So I actually even ex- haven't even explored Zambia in itself. Mm-hmm. Do you get my point? So I'm kind of thinking like, do you know what? That's something that I definitely have to get done. Um at some mm. point but how about yourself then obviously you know i'm going to ask you about zambia because that's where i'm from so <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience when when you visited zambia um so zambia is mm-hmm. i think zambia is actually the country that i have lived in the longest out of oh, all wow. the different countries including the uk yeah um so i think i spent about five years mm-hmm. there yeah i think from oh, when i was like yeah. 13 to 17 or something like that okay um and yeah, I really loved Zambia. But the thing, I think the reason, part of the reason I wanted to go to boarding school is because, yeah. so I went to a school that's called a United World College. So okay. it's a very, I would say like renowned school, but renowned. they basically have a really good mission statement, which is all about peace and a sustainable future. Yeah. And a very big point they make is to have as many different people from different nationalities financial backgrounds in one classroom so you're really learning with people from all over the world World. but also people that come like from really really wealthy people to people that came straight from the village like the it was insane the the people you find yourself in the classroom with and that really opens up your eyes and makes you see things from different perspectives because you're literally doing school projects with them you're doing community service with them and you live with them if you're in the boarding house so you really learn from each other and create a community and I always wanted to go so they have I think like 15 schools in the world and Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to go to one of them and I ended up going to that one yeah um and that that was a big decision for me because I think I loved Zambia and I loved the friends I had but I really didn't like the school I was going to. Oh, did you know? <laughs> Not that did it tell? was. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, it wasn't a bad school, but it's okay. just, they didn't offer any of the IB subjects that I wanted to wanted do, for to example. Do. Yeah. And it was just, I think, it also taught me how important teaching is because yeah. I had a lot of teachers that I just did not click with. Oh, okay. And I just had like a hate for certain subjects that I knew I should like, but because okay. of the teacher, I yeah. just like them and that changed a lot when I then went to Swaziland for schooling because okay. I was in a new environment, I had picked it, I wanted to be there. Yeah. And yeah, so I think my experience in Zambia could have become very negative had I stayed. Okay. But I think oh, right, I left okay. yeah. at the right, at the right time, time where like I only have yeah. happy memories in this place and yeah. I like I love Zambia. I've gone back like even since my parents parents have moved I've gone back I think two or three times Time, just because yeah. it's what I call home I home. didn't grow up in Tanzania even my yeah. parents are there there you go and but yeah, just to so, touch on, on, yeah, on the <laughs> yeah just to touch on the point that you made obviously not to lose that I think when it comes to mm-hmm. education what you said is so important yeah. it really is important that it clicks with you so speaking from an mm-hmm. aspect of the as you say the teaching you know the subjects the people all of that is so important so the fact that you actually realized it yourself and you made a choice to go to a school that you wanted uh, to go to i actually qu- I admire that because i, I feel like mm-hmm. i've experienced it myself uh, in life where the first stages when i went to college because it was not of my own accord you find that it, the experience just wasn't very good i didn't really even give it the energy yeah. that i could i knew i could have done so much better but i wasn't just because mm-hmm. i wasn't feeling being there at the time but the minute i decided to go back on my own terms it was a completely different yeah. experience 
Do you get my point? And yeah. even and another thing that you've just reminded me of actually is the tutor that I had the second time going back to college. Uh, her name was Julie, you know, African lady, very principled mm-hmm. and, you know, with such a heart for students. The love that she shared and she showed us as student, I think, actually helped to carry me through. So the thing that you said, yeah. I actually ended up enjoying the work and enjoying the subject the second time round, just because there was that care, there was that uh, sort of help mm-hmm. as well when it came to school. So, um, yeah, I found that to to make all the difference. So I can actually understand, uh, you know, when you speak to that to that regard. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. How about the other the other places then where you've been to? So we've spoken about Zambia. And then you said you went to boarding school in Switzerland, isn't it? Or is, is it in Swaziland? In, in Swaziland. So Swaziland, it's called Eswatini yeah. now, but I think a lot of okay. people still know it as Swaziland. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I spent two years. So my last two years of high school, I spent there in okay. boarding school. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, and that was that was also like, I think growing up, so I grew up as an only child. Okay. And the fact that I moved around so much, it was very much like a, a step of like independence for me almost so going making that decision and I guess I call it independence but boarding school is not really independence I mean you're still I mean you still have like a house dad the person who like looks after the hostel you still have all these rules you have to follow you can't just leave the hostel whenever you want but it was still very much a kind of step to I'm doing this on my own and I'm taking responsibility yeah and there's not my parents are not going to be there to mm-hmm. watch me study or my homework time. or see how I'm doing in sports or who I'm yeah. friends with so it's very much on my own terms and that was a really big step for me no definitely I, I think what I will say as well you may not have uh realized it but I think it was a step towards independence because I also went to boarding school uh when I was in Zambia obviously because my mom came here and she just needed somewhere to put me so she's like you know what I'm just going to go to boarding school. He'll be fine. So <laughs> so when I went to boarding school, um, it's the first time that I'd left home. So I found that experience to be quite mm. liberating. So the th- same thing that you say. So it's very restricted. There were a lot of rules and it was like a Catholic school as you can imagine with friends but there was like curfew mm. we had to go to bed at certain times so very much yeah. route orientated yep. but I found that that thing of having left home gave me that detachment mm-hmm. that I needed and it actually helped me later on uh in life in terms of when I had to now go it alone and things like that where I know you will touch on it as as well uh obviously later on in the podcast whilst we're we're speaking but i feel like yeah for yourself it is a similar journey um as well isn't Mm -hmm. it in terms of where you've had to to have your own independence later on in life isn't it yeah that's yeah yeah, i completely agree with that it's very it's a very eye-opening experience for me also made me appreciate my parents a lot more because i realized how many things they actually Mm -hmm. always checked up on that i now had to do on my own and i was like okay wow. wow like this is this is a lot to do <laughs> definitely definitely especially with the mm. i remember like my mom she would spoil me like i would take a trunk to school <laughs> like a whole trunk and she would load it with like biscuits you know cornflakes oh, wow. and powdered <laughs> milk and you know powdered milk was gold in boarding school that was currency That's a gem. yes right <laughs> There were a currency in boarding school or something else. The people that have been to boarding, I think they'll they'll be able to to relate. So the fact that this woman got me a whole trunk to take with me yes. to boarding, uh, and most of us had like standardized lockers, right? So everyone would get mm-hmm. a standard locker, and most people that's all they used. I had a whole big trunk of extra stuff. Oh wow! So like then, the prince of boarding school. <laughs> do you get what I mean? And then pocket money and those things. So it was it was living mm-hmm. life. And then you kind of get older and you have to do all that stuff for yourself and you realize, wow, do you know what our parents actually yeah. do? Uh, do you know exactly. they do quite a lot for us that we don't see at the time? Yeah. But yeah, touching on this as well, what what has what what, what would you say was your experience then? Um, you know, as a mixed race girl coming up in school, uh, are there any situations that you sort of faced, or did you find it was pretty neutral, or how would you say? Um, so I think 
It's actually very interesting for me because so my earliest memories of living in a country are living in Ethiopia, which okay. is I moved there when I was like three or four years old. Yeah. Um, and we lived there for about two and a half years and okay. we didn't live in the capital city. Mm-hmm. So we lived like quite rural and okay. I actually learned how to speak Amharic because I was so young. Okay. Like when children just absorb languages, like their oh, mind yeah. is like a sponge, sponge and they can just yeah. learn things so quickly. Oh, yes. um, so I actually spoke Amharic and I, I kind of looked Ethiopian because they are like a lot of Ethiopians are much lighter skinned and they have quite, I would say like European noses. So oh, every, yeah. everyone just assumed I was Ethiopian. Ethiopian as well. Right. And okay. Yeah. I probably definitely. also like felt Ethiopian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Did you know when um, you've said that? That's I, when I can envision because, it now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And because I spoke the language and mm-hmm. we were in a very rural part, okay. I kind of I wasn't aware of the difference between myself and um, local Ethiopian people. So okay. I just literally thought I was one with them. Um and because I was so young, I would go like with my dad to his building sites yeah. and I would translate for him. Like I really very much I just thought I was Ethiopian. And yeah, so that I would say living in Ethiopia was very, I had no like awareness that I was mixed or that I was different. Okay. Um, and my parents are also both, I think this is like, it's something I appreciate, but also, I mean, there's good and bad to this. So my parents, okay have never ever had like a race conversation with me so they never really? wow. made me aware of yeah. the fact that i'm mixed or that i might be seen black sometimes i might be seen as white sometimes white. Yeah. they never like till this day i've never had a conversation with my parents about it okay. which i think is a good and bad thing so i've never approached anything in life with like the something in the back of my head being like okay i might get treated differently here because i'm mixed i've that's yeah. never been something in my head because my parents just didn't put that there There, but then at the same time race is like something you'll face in the real world whether you're aware of it or not absolutely so that's why i say it's it's kind of like a good and bad thing yeah and but i think the uk is probably like the first country i've lived in where i'm like hyper aware of race oh wow so like in zambia because i went to an international school i would say i can remember maybe like three or four other like mixed girls okay but in my year group maybe one or two but it's again like it just wasn't something that was spoken about and because I went to international schools um the people were just very open-minded and the friends that I still have today are very much they can acknowledge okay you're mixed so you're both and they don't do the whole thing of like asking you to pick one side or trying to determine which side of you embrace more because be... I'm literally just like I was just raised with both con- cultures yeah um I've frequently visited both countries so I just yeah. I would not be able to pick one or say yeah. that I resonate with one more than with the other with one or the other I will say this like it's, it's so thank you that you are touching on this topic because it's one that myself uh, I've always wanted to ask but you know you you're you have to kind of be a little bit sensitive when it comes mm-hmm. um, to such things to say like sometimes you do get people that just want to put that uh, I'll call it a label right whereas yeah you're mixed race so you're obviously both but you want you have mm-hmm. people that want to say you're black right so it's not to say mm-hmm. you, you're not black of course you're black and you're white right so yeah. but then when when people just seem to refer to the, to the one side of you I, I always thought about it to think well are they now taking away a whole side of you like this is a all a whole mm-hmm. other half do you get my point? So the fact yeah. that you articulated it that way, I think it is something that will educate uh, quite a few people in terms of just understanding the way a person mm. thinks who who's mixed race. But yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think that's also, I think that's what a lot of people struggle to understand. It's that mm. it is possible to understand both mentalities. So Absolutely. like, obviously... For example, like with raising me, Mm -hmm. my parents have two completely different approaches. They somehow made it work between the two of them. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I don't understand both approaches. So like my mom is a very typical, I would say like a typical African mom. So she's quite strict. She's very like 
okay, this is how things are done and this is how we should do them. Whereas my dad is very much like a free-spirited person and he's kind of like, let's let her make her own mistakes and she'll learn from them. Whereas my mom is like, I've made these mistakes, so I don't want you to make them. And I completely understand both. Yeah. Can I say something? Your mom, you reminds me of my mother and then your dad reminds me of me. <laughs> and the reason I said that is literally my mom was a typical African mother and it's the same thing mm-hmm. where like to to them I think where they're coming from is the point of they're thinking they're trying to save you right they're trying to yeah. make sure that maybe you don't also mess up because maybe when they've done something it's gone wrong but I feel like the the, the problem with that sometimes is that if you get a little bit carried away with that you Mm. can start to put your own things on the child and what i believe just like your dad i do believe we have to allow especially when it comes to children just obviously to a certain extent but allow them to live in a way right allow them to go through certain uh mistakes if they're going to make them obviously give Mm. as much guidance as you can so give guiding tools always make them aware have the conversations with them that you need to have but then also just let it be to a certain extent because the one thing that i do believe is like all human beings have their own journeys right so i'll use yourself as an example like your mom's journey and your dad's journey are probably two different things when they come together Mm -hmm. their journey together will be different which means even if you wanted to bongi right you wouldn't walk your dad's or your mom's journey which means the only choice that you have is to walk your own do you get my point exactly so even if Mm -hmm. mom wanted to kind of like to save you because obviously she's been through certain things and she's she's looking out for you it's kind of like you you can't really plan it out that way but all you can do is kind of be there for the child guide them the best you can pray a little bit i would say prayer is is really important but you allow them to grow into who they're going to become because i did realize for myself in life some of the best lessons came from practical mistakes right Mm -hmm. so when when i've messed up in life is when i've found that i've i've um i've actually learned the most so yeah um, yeah but that's that's my take yeah i completely agree with that (laughs) Mm. (laughs) but um so i mean going into that uh, i know you eventually obviously after school you eventually decided to come to university uh, in the mm. UK, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that, how that came about, you making that decision? Yeah, so mm-hmm. in my last year of high school, yeah. I very suddenly was hit with making the decision of which uni to apply to, where I wanted to go to uni, what I wanted to study, Yeah. all things that I had not thought about at all. I don't know what I thought I was going to do after uh. high school, but... For some reason, uni was just not something that was on my mind. Oh, wow. Is there Um, anything else that you were looking, you were thinking or considering or? Yeah. So when I moved schools from Zambia and I went to Eswatini, I I took one of the higher level subjects I took in IB was theatre. And that was like, I absolutely loved that. It was like the best grades I got throughout the entire IB program were in that class. Um, Yeah. And I, I've always had, like, since I was young, I've always been, I wouldn't say, like, a performer, like, but I've always, like, imitated people, made jokes about things, like, made funny voices, imitated yeah. sound. That's just been a thing I've always done. Okay. Um, and then I was, like, thinking about, like, what I actually want to do with my life, and then African moms again, like doctor, engineer, lawyer. Yeah, what? Making you know, voices? No, no child of mine is going to be making no voices. Where? <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. I want to be a comedian. Why? It's like, yeah. no, I'm just exploring my options. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I was thinking about that. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should study theater. Okay. Then the more conversations I had with my mom, the more I was like, okay, this is obviously not a path that is supposed to, to be taken by me oh wow Um, yeah and then and then kind of the thing on the list of like i would say like acceptable things to study yeah i think probably lowest on the list not because it's worth the least or the easiest but business was the only feasible thing for me with the subjects that i had taken okay um so then i got this call from a uni that had just opened it was really new and they were like 
do you want to come to our uni? And yeah. I was just like, I don't have another plan, so sure. I'm just going to come. Do you get what <laughs> um, I mean? I've got nothing else that I'm doing, so yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I applied mm-hmm. for some scholarships. Okay. Then I kind of had to like really work hard my last two months of IB, like okay. really get myself together for exams to get the grades for the scholarships and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I managed, and then I moved to the UK, which is also like, such a weird experience for me because I just came here by myself. I'd never been here. Oh wow! I was so. I remember being on the underground my first day, and I almost like I wanted to cry because I just really? looked at the map. And I was like I will never understand this. Yeah. Oh wow! And, like, and this all. is in in 2015 when you came, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I came, and then. I basically came, so I went to a business school. Okay. So it's, there's only business that went to that school, okay. which was already a very eye-opening experience for me because it was also such a private American university. Right. Okay. And it's like one of those schools where the scholarship kids just immediately stand out. Like you just find each other and it's like, and okay, this tell. is my crew. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I actually yeah, had this um, a similar conversation uh, with my friend, I think Kondwani, where we were talking like uni, you know, you meet your, your like, you know, whether it's the misfits <laughs> exactly. or the fits, you, you meet the different kinds of people so no i hear you on that one yeah going exactly so yeah so uni was very yeah it was very different for me because i would genuinely say like some of the people that were in that uni were like the richest of the rich like it was a very different experience for me okay um and i think also i was surrounded by a lot of people that were doing this business degree because they were going to take over the family business so they kind of had a very set out path after yeah. uni oh wow and that yeah. kind of i felt even more isolated because i was like okay well i'm here because just, just i need to study course, something yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> yeah so they were and kind of I like had a really purpose a had a plan or structured out for them yeah. yeah oh wow exactly yeah and the majority of them didn't really have to worry about employment after university which i think is the biggest stress of university was that oh yeah like i have no security once i'm done with this place i kind of have to like fend for myself yeah um but luckily i was put into a room with like who is someone who is now my best friend we got Mm -hmm. along really well i don't think i would have made it through uni without her um, she kept me very grounded like the whole time yeah oh that's Um, really good and yeah and i did the degree and i did it in three years i kind of felt like i need to just get this degree and get out um and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do after if I was going to stay here, but yeah. I ended up getting a job before I even graduated in social media. Yeah. And that's basically how I ended up staying in the UK in the even UK. after I finished my degree. Oh, wow. that That's actually a brilliant story, um, to be honest with you. But do, <laughs> do you reckon if you had had the opportunity, you would have gone into the arts? Because I know you mentioned to say that you, you would have gone into maybe mm. you know, voiceover kind of work and things like that. Do you, do you, do you feel yeah. that if that was encouraged, is that something that you would have taken on? Or... Um, I don't think... I didn't feel like it was encouraged at the time. Okay. But... And I from my parents but also from myself so I didn't even take myself seriously it was more of like a I want to be a voiceover one day it wasn't (laughs) like I want to make a career out of something that I genuinely feel like I'm good at right okay Um, so I feel like no one in my surrounding took me seriously but I also didn't take myself seriously Seriously. like now when I reflect at the time I thought I was taking myself seriously but when I look back I don't think that I was yeah Okay, because it does sound, you know, the way you speak about it, it does sound like a, a passion of yours. And I can relate mm. uh, of, you know, going to school just to do something for the sake of doing something. Those were my early college years. I was like literally just there yeah. to pass time, you know, <laughs> in Zambia, mm. there's, you know, they say a lot, like sometimes when you're there and you're in a different world, like each day was a new mm. day because I was in fantasy land kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, so I can, <laughs> I can get uh, where you were coming from from in that respect but you know how about life in the uk in general how, how have you found it like in comparison obviously you're well traveled you've been to different places in the world mm. how have you found how have you found it living in the uk i found it very 
in the beginning, I didn't really like it. So okay. I think, again, to do with the fact that I was just doing a degree for the sake of doing yeah, a degree. Yeah. Um, and I also, I'd never lived in a big metropolitan city or in a European city. So I was mm-hmm. very much used to, I would say, third world country lifestyle. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I hear you. Um, yeah. So that was very different. And the whole, okay. like, you can probably relate to this. So, like, when I was in Zambia, like, yeah. my mom would drive me to school. She would to pick places. me up. Oh, it's yes. a very, like, sheltered, oh, sheltered yes. upbringing. Oh, right. Okay. And then here, it's like, if I go out, I go out by myself. Figure I take the train out. by myself. I yeah. use public transport. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, like, a big, big shock. Change. But I adjusted very quickly because that's oh, okay. what I've been doing all my life adjusting to a new environment yeah so I, I was able to do that very quickly yeah and to be honest I so I lived in East London for I think four years or like four and a half years something like that okay um and I was getting to the point where I really did not like London anymore but okay. then I also realized it's because I not explored any other parts of Places. London because my uni was in East London and then my yeah. job was in East London as well okay and then I actually quit my job and moved to West London which mm-hmm. like west london is a completely different world to east london do tell um, what are the differences <laughs> so east london is very so areas like canary wharf yeah so big financial districts or the banks things like that okay um but then there is so much poverty so there's a lot of homelessness there's a lot oh. of drug abuse it's an area where i never felt safe okay like personally especially walking around at night um, if I was by myself, which was very rare. But even if I was with a friend, I had had like four or five experiences that genuinely felt like I was in a dangerous situation. Yeah. And I've never had that in West London. The people here are a lot friendlier because that sort of thing. Everyone is kind of, it's more diverse and everyone's in one pot. Whereas East London is very, this is where the Bangladeshi people live. This is a very, very white area. Oh, right. so, like, it's very, it's very segmented, segmented and okay no i hear what mm. you mean yeah to be fair yeah. in most places places like that that are segmented you you kind of get those issues and even in leeds where mm-hmm. i lived it was the same thing you know you had different areas you had areas that were predominantly yeah. asian or predominantly black or predominantly white mm-hmm. and when you go there like yes and if you if you're not from there it'll be a bit dicey to be fair same thing yeah, as in exactly. general yeah you know, so mm-hmm. no, I absolutely get where you're where you're coming from when it comes to that. But overall, uh, I I will say like seeing you, I wouldn't have thought you've uh, you only came here in like 2015. So that means you you've actually <laughs> lived here for about, if I'm not mistaken, just five years, isn't it, or slightly over than? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think I came September 2015, so yeah. almost five. Yeah. You know what, Bongi? I'm going to say, like, you you I think fit in so well into this place, probably better than some people that have lived here 15, 20 <laughs> years, right? Until you told me, I would have never guessed that you've only um you've only lived here five years. Do you get what I mean? So I was thinking maybe, mm, you know, you've been yeah. here like 10, 20 years, that sort of thing. So uh it's quite interesting to say uh you're also an ad- adaptive, adaptive person. So uh kudos mm. to you. <laughs> but how about I, I was going to segue into um as well i've noticed you do a little bit of blogging you know whilst you you've traveled mm. tell us a little bit about that how did that come about where you know um the blogging side of you so i th- think that started probably mm-hmm. i think like my second year of uni i would okay. say Mm-hmm. So I've always, I've loved taking pictures. I love being in front of the camera, behind the camera. Just oh, put me anywhere with the camera. I'll be there. There you go. <laughs> um, and I, so I actually, I think blogging started becoming more of like a big thing for me when I started doing this whole natural hair thing. Oh, okay. So yeah. like my last, my last year of high school, mm-hmm. I did something called a big chop, which is like, a very common term for women of color. So it's basically if you relax your hair and you decide you want to return back to your natural hair, you then chop off all of your relaxed hair and then you let your natural hair grow out. So that's something I did my, my last year of high school. Yeah. And then Oh, you did that in high school because I was going to say like, I've seen your hair and your hair is so well grown. So you decided that in high school to say, mm -hmm. okay, wow. Okay. Yeah. And that actually happened because my mom had sent me a picture when I was like 
seven, six okay. or seven years old, and I was in a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and I had like, really long curly hair, yeah. and I yeah. was like, "Mom, like, why does my hair look like this?" And she, was like, well, this is your natural hair, yeah. but you decided to relax it because thought that would be the the best thing to do. Yeah. And then I saw that, and I was like, "Nah." I need to get this back. Yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> <And then> right? <laughs> I let it like grow out a little bit and I didn't relax it and I chopped off the ends and I had like really, really short hair. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so I was like, I'm going to embrace my natural hair now. And yeah. then I went to uni yeah. with all these like predominant, I think most of the people in my uni were white. White, okay. Um, wow. And yeah. so I see all these white girls with their long hair. I'm now in the UK every ad has like white women straightened on it. hair so yeah. it's now being ingrained in my head like this is what my hair needs to look like which i also oh, wow. didn't realize at the time, to be fair yeah um so my very first month i was in the uk i mm-hmm. spent the first batch of pocket money my dad sent me yeah i spent it all on a very expensive hair straightener <laughs> no way really <laughs> so oh wow my entire month and then I straightened my hair every yeah. day my entire first year of uni. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I look now, that was so stupid because the whole reason I cut my hair was to embrace my natural the, hair. And then I yeah. had to every day. Yeah. Um, and then I started braiding it more in like my second year and then started wearing it natural more. And then mm-hmm. I started like finding natural hair, hair communities on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And I realized yeah. that the fact that women of color like put on weaves or relax their hair or straighten it is a lot deeper than them just wanting their hair to be like that. And it's very much to do with the fact that beauty standards today are not inclusive of women of color or anything that's not Caucasian basically, or anything that is not straight, long, flowy hair. I will add on Um, to that. I mean, yeah, it's such an yeah. important uh, point that you've um, you've brought on. The one thing that I have noticed is is that it is shifting, uh, and I mean, I would like to say I would mm-hmm. like to thank you so much for, excuse me, having the bravery of what you did. And I, I was really shell shocked. You're saying yeah. you did, you made that decision from high school. I was like, wow. I remember the decisions I was making in high school, mm-hmm. and they went, <laughs> you know, similar to what gives it like having that courage. I think that takes courage, and it really takes you knowing a, a mm-hmm. part of yourself to have decided um, to do that. You having gone back, I can understand that because I've been in situations where sometimes it's kind of like you're trying to fit into your environment, aren't you? So it's like they say when you're in Rome, mm-hmm. sometimes it will kind of be like it makes sense for you to be similar to that environment because sometimes you you, you will almost feel out of place yeah. if you don't conform but eventually i think we mm-hmm. all get to that point to where you kind of rediscover you find out who you are and you get going again and that's the beauty of life exactly but what i was going to say the, the mm-hmm. importance is i've noticed now like a lot of black women and i'm talking about black women of all shades from the dark skin chocolate women to the caramel uh, you know black mm. women are all <laughs> now embracing their natural hair yeah. journey right i've actually known uh you know people the thing that you say do the big chop and i'm thinking oh my god mm-hmm. wouldn't that give you anxiety to chop off all your hair you know especially as a woman yep. <laughs> but <laughs> but you you I've, I've i've heard of ladies i've seen ladies that will actually do that and i think when they embrace their natural self it is one of the most beautiful things that you ever see and then when you now exactly. look at instagram instagram has really helped to highlight that because you will be scrolling mm-hmm. and you will see different shades and different types and it's such a wonderful thing so much so that you've got other races and other people now trying to emulate the black woman right and that it used so to true, be yeah. it used to be that the, the black woman was considered like oh the lowest of the law or oh my god mm. they're not good enough this and they're not good enough that now everyone wants a big figure they want big lips you know and people are paying Enough. thousands they're paying thousands mm-hmm. of pounds just to get to enhance themselves in a way that uh obviously you know black women uh or already already are sort of thing yeah but and, and it all comes back to sort of identity the thing that you say do you know sometimes when people want you to 
to conform to the to to something as simple as straightening your hair right it just seems like something mm-hmm. so simple and so mundane to be like come on you know just straighten your hair because yeah. i heard i think one of my aunts was telling me this to say somebody referred to her as you know you having your natural hair to be intimidating right to say like you're yeah. intimidating because you've got natural hair and i was thinking what how does that make yeah. any sense like this is the hair the person was born with so how is that intimidating exactly. but then it's not intimidating for them to straighten it and for it to be anything but what they are like how does that make any mm-hmm. uh, any sense but anyway coming exactly. back to my point to say seeing women like yourself and seeing other women that are yeah. embracing the natural hair journey and the fact that you're even speaking about this uh, i think it's definitely going to go towards blessing someone's life i think it's definitely going to to go towards healing especially whether mm. it's a little, little girl or whether it's somebody older you know that will be watching this and they're struggling through that to think that yourself you've actually uh, embraced it uh, is is quite commendable um if i may say so thanks you know <laughs> thank yeah. you but how, how have you found the reception to be uh you know from people in terms of when you've been on your natural hair journey and things like that to be honest it's been entirely positive i would Mm -hmm. say and i think so going back to my parents and how i was raised so my parents have never told me to like not wear my hair natural or encourage Mm -hmm. me to relax it or anything like that okay but i do see even in my mom for example when i tell her like if i'm going for a job interview or i just have something important she always makes a point to tell me that I need to make sure my hair looks presentable. Yeah. And I feel like that's also something that's ingrained within women of color because there's a big paranoia about do I fit in and do I look okay? Do you think no one is going to go to a job interview just like, oh, I woke up like this, rolled out of bed. But it's a matter (laughs) of like, it takes so much more to conform my hair to Eurocentric beauty standards than it does obviously yeah. for someone who naturally has hair like that do you think your mom saying uh you should look presentable do you do you think that's cold for straighten your hair or do you think it's just yeah i think it's very much it's either straighten it or tie it up but oh, don't okay. go there with that basically <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's also yeah. part of what is so like who is to say that an afro is unprofessional yeah. or should not be seen in a professional context like that's something that society has has ingrained oh, into us and it's absolutely. not it's not for anyone to say that the way this grows out of your head is not mm-hmm. presentable yeah, just, no and, one can say that yeah. and i i think that's completely wrong because what that does it takes away from one's identity it takes away from one's confidence right because mm-hmm, from the outset exactly. from when you're just starting people are telling you that this is how you should be and then how mm-hmm. you should be is not who you are then how do you exactly. find confidence within yourself when people are saying you should find your confidence in other places, right? In in, in other things. I will say like, even in our household, because I think I, I mentioned this to yourself, like I, I have a daughter, a gorgeous mm. baby girl, right? <laughs> she literally melts <laughs> my heart. And I, I, I was saying to her mom, I was saying, you know, for me, it's not to say I've got anything against, like, for example, white doors or anything but i want my daughter to play with black doors purely because i want her to have something that she can relate to right something that represents her so that as she's growing up she can grow up loving herself she can grow up understanding Mm -hmm. that black is beautiful do you get my point yeah and now you do have entrepreneurs out there that are taking it to the next level because it used to be i think back in the days the only black doors that you got were like those like you know witch doctor type of doors or they will either be ugly <laughs> voodoo, or doll. voodoo dolls right <laughs> but yeah. now the game has changed you've got women and you've got entrepreneurs that are taking it to the next level you can actually mm-hmm. get some really decent um black dollies do you get my point yeah. once again just to say i am not saying that there's anything against having white dolls because I, I believe my daughter can have both she can have black she can have white and then same mm-hmm. thing uh, you know when it comes to white babies they can have both as well but i feel like it's, it's yeah. really important to be represented because as exactly. she's growing up it will mold who she is and it will mold how she thinks and it will mold mm-hmm. her confidence um yeah as well and so. how she sees herself as well Absolutely. which is also like 
part of my whole natural hair journey was I now started working with this company called Project Embrace. Okay, brilliant. Run by this amazing woman called Lekia. And what she does is every year okay. she does billboards that promote Afro visibility. So she's basically doing these huge billboards that are sponsored by big companies. And it's just men and women of color brilliant. in a professional context or yeah. in just an everyday context, just wearing their hair and not oh yeah to normalize it because that's the problem is that afro textured hair is not seen anywhere as normal and if yeah. you do see women of color or mixed women or you know it's not most of the time they'll probably be in a weave or yeah. just not looking natural <laughs> yeah to put it and like simply yeah so again she, i will so say this sorry Bongi, before you continue i will yeah. say i will say this disclaimer in that you whoever out there is listening to this if you're a black woman or whoever you can wear your hair however you want but this is just speaking more so from a pro- personal perspective and i always say into the yeah. fire opinion piece <laughs> which means you can take one opinion <laughs> or the other but so this is more from like an opinion um sort of point of view but yeah you can you can continue yeah yeah but yeah but what she does is mm-hmm. she just makes sure that there is more Afro visibility taking place yeah. so that young women and, you know, little boys, little girls can see billboards with yeah. people that look like them Absolutely. so that they feel like it's okay to look like me yeah. and I can do something amazing one day and I can be on a billboard Absolutely. or I can wear my hair like this. or And that's why, like you were saying, Instagram is amazing because oh, yes. the amount of hair inspo and the amount of hair knowledge I get from Instagram alone Trust is me. insane. Like, an insane amount and the amount of yeah. communities there are and how much like people Support. are just doing to try and yeah. increase Afro visibility. It's yeah. insane. Like the movement is huge. Yeah. I would say even YouTube, YouTube is another big one because you remember mm-hmm. I was telling you for myself, YouTube has just worked wonders for me. Even when it comes to like doing my podcast or doing even my business that I do raw express, yeah. YouTube has literally been my teacher. So I will say for, mm-hmm. for anyone that is considering the natural hair journey or things like that, if you go on YouTube, you will get a yeah. million videos or a million how to. You'll find everything. From start to scratch. <laughs> yeah, go on. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll find yeah. everything on YouTube. And even for me, like that's how, like my mom doesn't have hair like me. My dad doesn't have hair like me. So mm-hmm. I literally had to teach myself and find out like something very simple, for example, with curly yeah. hair is that you can't comb it when it's dry. I oh, didn't really? know this until I was about 18 years old oh, because wow. it yeah. breaks the hair and it damages it and okay. it needs water to absorb moisture and curly hair needs to be moisturized. I okay. never knew that. Wow. I've learned <laughs> something new. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned something new right now. I didn't, do you know when I learned that was today years old? Yeah. <laughs> <That's insane. laughs> yeah. I didn't know that at all. So yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. And yeah. that's, but this is exactly the problem is that, as people who have hair like that, yeah. we don't even know how to care for it. No. So big brands who cater for more of a Caucasian audience are yeah. never going to be able to tell us how to do that. No. And that's why it's so amazing to see so many people of color starting their own businesses, yeah. creating awareness and educating people and actually doing something about the problem yeah. and not just complaining about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll add to that as well, right? You you spoke and I know you're big uh, on this. So this will be the perfect segue into it, like sustainability, mm-hmm. right? So one mm-hmm. of the things that I'll talk about for, for uh, touching on two points that you've made is that, you know, with the yeah. hair products that are made out there, especially the relaxers, right? I've heard mm. there's so, there, some of them, they put so many chemicals in there that the things that it will do to you, you won't know until later on, right? So it might yeah. actually end up affecting your health. And if you do it over and over again, gradually is something mm-hmm. that will get to you. Uh, the second point yeah. is that, that stuff, the people that make it more than likely don't even look like you right so they they, mm-hmm. they don't care about you they don't care about your health in my opinion right yeah however if you reverse the argument you go to natural hair care products most of them not only are they sustainable right they've got amazing ingredients mm-hmm. that actually feeds your hair sort of thing and yeah. even just the things that go in them the majority of them i'm not going to say it's all of them they're natural do you get what i mean because that's mm-hmm. what you're supposed to 
to have and it actually goes towards your betterment as well so it's that versus the other and then the majority of them again i'm not going to say it's all of them are actually made by either somebody that looks like you but or or somebody that actually uses the product and can Mm -hmm. relate to how it's going to 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 benefit them you know i always say this Mm -hmm. even in business if someone doesn't have a vested interest or doesn't have a wellness focus for why they're doing something on your behalf then good luck trusting that person right because i say even even a business if you're going to plant a business in any community you have to have a community focus if you're going to make a product Mm -hmm. for a community for example a product for black people you have to have a black people focus right whether it's educating whether it's building them up but you will find that the majority of these companies do not have any mission they do not have any goal they don't have any plan for black people but they expect Mm. you to keep going and sort of uh giving them your money shops i've noticed this uh, a little bit i think here and in america there's shops that sell a lot of hair and hair care products and things like that again no focus Mm. for our people which means that we Mm -hmm. really need to kind of find a way to band together as people figure out like how can we make our own things not only how can we make things for the sake of making them but how do we have a focus for our people, for the wellness, for the sustainability, mm-hmm. and for the growth as well. As people to say, these things that we're making, if you've got a business that's making money, how is that business also giving back to the community, which is helping exactly. it to grow? Do you get my point? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So, that's so that's true. I and I think also for me, that. like a big thing, especially when it comes to sustainability, yeah. that was very eye-opening to me is like when, so when I, started wearing my hair natural and started buying all different products. This is another thing is like finding products that are right for your hair. Yeah. This was also very difficult when I was starting my hair journey. Really? And I realized that I spent most of my time traveling to some Chinese shop that was in another part of London. To rush. I didn't want to say it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, and I used to go into these shops and I was like, something is not okay here. Like, why am I going? a Chinese shop somewhere right. in ends to find black hair products right. and I'll, like I'll add on to that and, yeah. yeah I'll add on to that one you know to interrupt you or anything but even I've seen mm. videos of the way our women are treated in these shops like I've seen a video yeah. literally of a man beating up a woman because apparently she was suspected of, of stealing something or women just getting mistreated in these shops That's yet crazy. we're still going back we still keep going back sorry mm-hmm you know but yeah yeah it's so true and it's like it just shouldn't be like that no but that's why it like if you are a woman of color or if you are on a natural hair journey yeah like go on social media and find a community because Mm -hmm. since i started working with this company project embrace like the amount of events i've been to and it's like you have a common ground with every single person at that event because you're all here with the same purpose of okay i'm there's something about natural hair that intrigues me or I, I wear my hair natural and I want to be yeah. here. And it's just very, and you learn so many different things. So I, the reason I stopped going to it yeah. is because I heard about this black owned business that basically offers a discount card for black owned businesses. Okay. So when you subscribe to them, they tell you about all these different black owned businesses and ones that sell hair products as well. So that's Brilliant. how I now found, found the brands that I'm using. Okay, and do you like, know what's the name? That, yeah, what's the name of that business? Sorry? Do you do you know the name? It's called Yeah, it's called Jammy. Okay, Jammy. There so you go. J-A-M-I-I. Brilliant. Yeah. And by, by the like, way, I'm pay? not yeah, I'm not affiliated mm. with them. I don't know them, but I thought that was a good <laughs> plug. So if that's what they do and it's good work, yeah, we'll shout them out on the podcast. So absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, so, that's yeah, good and to know. If I would have never found that community on social media, if I would have never gone to that event, yeah. I would have never known about that. Oh, okay. So it's about really going out there and finding yeah. certain things. And you yeah. like believe that you'll find them and you will and go out there with the right energy and man things will just come your way <laughs> yeah absolutely and we we spoke about this i think in our preliminary conversation to say the energy you put out is the energy you get back and i do believe like what you yeah. give out to the world eventually it comes back to you uh tenfolds and you end yeah. up meeting amazing people you end up speaking to amazing people it's like today i'm i'm having this conversation with you bongi and i'm learning so much right and i always mm. i have this belief like a conversation when two people talk another person gets blessed 
right or even the person yeah. listening in that conversation they're being blessed as 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 the two people uh are speaking and i will say that there are some things that you've touched on today that i didn't even have a clue over but today now now i know mm. <laughs> amazing just, yeah, yeah that's just, what it's all about yeah absolutely i was saying we will be coming to um to an end you know to the end of the podcast but i know there are a few other points that um we'll touch on just before we kind of mm. close it out uh, i mean this conversation is so amazing that i would want it to just keep going and going and going but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know. so i was going to say if you could tell us a little bit about uh your sustainability gardening i know that's something that you do and that's something yeah. that's a little bit of a passion yeah yeah that's a huge, huge passion of mine. And I mm-hmm. think something, so my dad is an environmentalist mm-hmm. and he's an expert in renewable energies. Okay. So my whole life I was raised with like being super aware of the environment and mm-hmm. always kind of having gratitude for what's around you and okay. acknowledging that you can have your own garden, you can grow your own food, you should yeah. be eating healthy um, and like working with nature instead of yeah. against it, which I think a lot of companies are unfortunately doing at the moment, but okay. that's another topic for another day. <laughs> of course, yeah. That's um, a whole nother podcast. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so moving to West London, one of the things that made fall in love with this part of London is that yeah. I have joined a community, like a kitchen garden. Okay. So essentially what happens is you meet, depending on how much time everyone has. So we meet once a week for okay. two hours. Um, and we grow all our own things and then mm-hmm. we just share the harvest that yeah. we grow and it's all free so all the seeds or like seedlings are provided by the park because okay. the garden is in a park um, so the council pays for that um, and it's just something to help build a better community and a way yeah. for people to meet each other but then you have this amazing benefit of having fresh organic produce Oh, brilliant! and that's yeah. just something I find so amazing because I think back home or like in a lot of African countries, it's very normal to go to the market and eat seasonal food. Yeah. But moving to the UK was like, I was like, why can I always buy avocados and papayas and pineapples? (laughs) Oh yeah. And avocados are so expensive. Oh my God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the gardening club, I think rooted me a lot. Hmm. No pun intended. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) brought me back to my roots like literally because when I was younger I always used to garden with my dad and I used to love like harvesting things watching things grow and I feel like I kind of suppressed that because of the school I went to and the environment I lived in in East London okay um and then I came here and I was like I love it so much and literally every time I go to gardening club like I will have a good day because it's just I'm with people like a lot of the people in the gardening club are a lot older yeah, because it's mostly retired people that have time for that, okay. um, and a lot of special needs people who do it for therapeutic reasons, which is really nice as well. Like, because you get to interact with people yeah. you otherwise would have never met. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's just because of my dad's career, I've always been very aware of the environment. I've always cared for it. Um. And I feel like I've gotten back into that with this gardening club. Not that I felt like I strayed away from it, but I never okay. did as much. I wanted to before I was in the gardening club. Oh right, okay, cool. I mean, have you found mm. it? Do you know, especially during this period uh, of Corona, have you found it to be a little bit therapeutic for yourself? Yeah, you know? it's been very so because you can do gardening and yeah. maintain social distance. We've been going to the park to garden about I think like three times a week instead of once a week. Okay. And everyone that is in this club is like, I'm so grateful that I'm part of this because it's kind of the thing that has kept me sane and that has put me in a place with people that I know are aware of the situation but are still living their lives and still going outside, obviously being respectful of rules, but you can do that and still do something productive. Absolutely. Obviously, a lot of people are doing exercise, but it's not like I'm just going to go outside to get fresh air. It's like I'm going to grow this plant and I'm going to grow a plant that helps the bees and that helps the environment more and all these little, little things, but it adds up and it's just, yeah, it is a very therapeutic thing to do for me at least. No, absolutely. I do um, agree with yourself and sustainability is the way forward. It sounds like you're, you're, you're doing mm. it in a way, obviously, in something that you're passionate about, uh, which I feel is, is quite commendable. 
But as I said earlier, we we have come to the end uh, of the podcast. I might say uh, this has been actually <laughs> one of <laughs> uh, the most inciting <laughs> conversations I've had, uh, podcasts that I've had. So I would like to take the opportunity oh, wow. to actually thank you, Bongi, for taking the time um, to speak to me today. And also thank you just for bearing uh, your soul and actually, you know, touching on some real meaningful points uh, moving forward. I'm sure it's, oh. it's definitely been a lesson for the people that are going to be uh, to be listening to this. But just before, obviously, we head off, do you have any closing remarks? Anything that you want to um, to say just before we we finish? Well, yeah. Just first of all, obviously, thank you for having me as well and for reaching oh, out. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing conversation. Even the first yeah. conversation I had, with you, I was like, ah, oh, vibes, vibes. I there like it. <laughs> <laughs> there you um, go. Yes. But yeah, thank you so much. And I just hope that anyone who listens makes it a point to kind of I don't know like learn more about yourself and what Absolutely. you enjoy and what is good for you yeah. and like things that really make you feel good about yourself whether True. that's embracing your natural hair or finding your hobby yeah. doing something for the environment or your community like if you my number one tip would be to just follow your gut feeling because Absolutely. a gut feeling happens for a reason Absolutely. like it's not just something that happens so yeah. make it a point to follow that more often yeah absolutely i agree with you and just to say this um obviously this is only the first series um series one of the podcasting series two will be coming at some point but i'm still battling deciding how many of the foundation stories i want to do before i I go into series two just to let people know series two will be called less talk unless i i decide change it but uh, what i'm trying to say is i would love to have you back on that second series because it will have some hard hitting topics different ones and uh, obviously for me i always love to have different perspective different opinions Mm. whether we agree or we don't agree we will all learn something so uh, obviously this is you on the first series from the conversation that we've had if you will join us we'd definitely love to have you uh, again whether it's the second series whether it's later on just to have more meaningful conversations and hopefully people can 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 bless can get blessed by it basically yes i would love that i'm happy to come back whenever i'm Um, i'm in love with this i think this is great and i think people are gonna learn so much from all your episodes oh brilliant no thank you so much and that is the the goal just to educate and for people to kind of hear conversations that they wouldn't otherwise hear from anywhere else you come into the fire pit you know we roasted up and yeah you you get to hear some <laughs> gems but yes Bongi, once again thank you so much for coming on to episode seven of into the fire pit <laughs>